This is Ron Stockton. I want to talk to you about Christmas songs. I almost said Christmas carols, but that implies religious music, and not all Christmas music is religious. And that in itself is a point worth discussion. So what is a carol? Uh, I'm not quite sure, but it has to do with the nativity story and is meant to be sung by groups of people walking around from house to house. At least that's the way it was at one time. This topic grew out of a conversation Jane and I had. It started when I asked her, of the most famous Christmas songs, when was the most recent one written? We came up with several that we personally remembered being performed for the first time, but when I checked, they had been written ages ago. So much for memory as a reliable source. I decided to approach this more systematically. On the internet is a website listing the top 100 Christmas songs. I was very familiar with 50 of these. The other 50 are songs I barely know, or had never heard of even. Some old favorites are missing, Away in a Manger is omitted, as is There's a Star in the East, and O Christmas Tree, Tannenbaum. Tannenbaum, there are people who think the Germans stole this from us, but uh, sorry, that's not true. How can a list of Christmas songs exclude O Christmas Tree? Blah. Still, the 50 I recognize are definitely standards. I was thinking like a social scientist in my assumption that these 50 are widely known by the general public. Suppose I had a random sample of 100 people and gave them that list and asked them that they check the ones they recognize. My guess is that most people could check most of them, i.e., they're well into our shared culture. Uh, note to Ron. Is this true of Muslims and Jews and Hindus? Have they picked up these songs from the general culture? Uh, I'll check on that later. Anyway, assuming that these are near universal favorites, I set out to see what patterns there were. Here are my findings. I noticed big changes over time in terms of what kind of song was being written. In terms of classifying songs, I have two key categories, sacred and seasonal. By sacred, I mean one that involves religious themes or focuses upon some aspect of the nativity story. By seasonal, I mean one that celebrates the season or the giving of gifts. These songs have nothing to do with Christmas as a religious holiday. Many focus on the winter weather or Santa as a giver of gifts and bringer of happiness. There's a third category that emerges in the 20th century, but I'll discuss that in a minute. Before the 1800s, there were the old classics. There are nine of these. Some go back several centuries, so long that specialists cannot even date them with certainty. Some are English folk songs. All are sacred except for two. Those two celebrate the season, 12 Days of Christmas and Deck the Halls. Here are the songs. In the 1300s, the first Noel. In the 1400s, God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. In the 1500s, 12 Days of Christmas. In the 1600s, I saw three ships. The 1700s, O come all ye faithful. That's a nice one. 1700s, deck the halls with boughs of holly. 1719, joy to the world. And 1739, hark the herald angels sing. But then there was a gap. While the early 1700s produced four classics, 1739 to 1818 saw no new additions. But then came the 1800s. 
The 19th century produced 14 classics. Two of these celebrated the season, Jingle Bells and Up on the Housetop. But all the rest were sacred. Of particular interest is an explosion of creativity from 1847 till 1865. Eleven of our most famous and beloved Christmas songs were written during this time. Not surprisingly, several come from England or other places. Here they are. 1818, Silent Night, composed in Germany. Again, there are Americans who think the Germans stole it, but no, that's not the fact. 1823, The First Noel. This was an English Cornish folk song uh, put in its current form in the 1700s, actually. 1824, Tannenbaum, O Christmas Tree. 1847, O Holy Night. 1849, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. 1853, Good King Wenceslas went out on the Feast of Stephen. 1857, Jingle Bells. 1857, we three kings of Orient are. 1862, angels we have heard on high. 1860, up on the housetop. 1863, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. 1865, go tell it on the mountain. 1865, a little town of Bethlehem. And 1865, what child is this? But then there was another gap from 1865 to 1934. The creative era of 1847 to 1865 was followed by a long gap when only two classics were written. One was Carol of the Bells in 1904. That was based on an old Ukrainian folk song. The other was Away in a Manger in 1887. Starting in 1934, there came several favorites. 1934, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, 1934, Winter Wonderland, 1940s, Here Comes Santa Claus, Here Comes Santa Claus. I remember Gene Autry singing that one. I thought he had written it, but maybe not. 1940, White Christmas, that's a Bing Crosby special. 1941, Little Drummer Boy. I like this story. It's uh, all the all the people are bringing big gifts to the baby Jesus, and the little a little boy is there. He doesn't have anything. All he can do is bang on his drum. So he bangs on his drum. That's his gift. He only had one talent: bang on a drum. I like that song. Uh, 1841. I'll be home for Christmas. Oh, timing is everything. That was written just before the war started. But then the war started, and suddenly "I'll be home for Christmas" just became everybody's favorite song. 1944, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, and 1945, Let It Snow. Twenty songs were written after World War II. Only two of these are sacred, Mary's Boy Child and Do You Hear What I Hear. Both of those are really nice songs. Six celebrate the season. Three focus upon romance or nostalgia. Baby is cold outside. No place like home for the holidays. Christmas in Killarney. That's Irish and let it snow. The new trend was the novelty song. There were eight of these, including Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the Chipmunk Song, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, and All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. Such songs have nothing to do with Christmas as a religious holiday. They're funny, sometimes bizarre, sometimes almost sacrilegious. When you hear 
Grandma got run over by a reindeer, ending with the line, As for me and Grandpa, we believe. You can see why the Puritans wanted to ban Christmas as a pagan event. Many of these became bestsellers during the age of radio. They were written for profit, not for faith. Consider these in the late 40s. 1948, Blue Christmas. 1948, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. I just mentioned that. 1949, Baby, It's Cold Outside. 1949, Sleigh Ride. 1949, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Rudolph was invented in 1939, but the song came along in 1949. Uh, 1949, Mele Kaleke Maka. Oh, you know that one, right? Mele Kaleke Maka is the island way. Anyway, uh, 1950, Frosty the Snowman. 1950, Christmas in Killarney, an Irish song. 1951, Silver Bells. 1951, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. 1952, I Saw Mama Kissing Santa Claus. Oh, that was naughty. 1954, No Place Like Home for the Holidays. 1956, Mary's Boy Child. That's religious. 1957, Jingle Bell Rock. 1958, Chipmunk Song. 1958, Rockin' Round the Christmas Tree. 1961, The Christmas Song. 1962, Do You Hear What I Hear? That's very nice. It's a religious song. 1962, The Most Wonderful Time of the Year. 1971, Feliz Navidad. And 1979, The Immortal Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. What do we make of these patterns? Why did these shifts occur? Why are there no new classics? Why are the recent songs secular or seasonal rather than sacred? Is the media market so full that there is no place for additional classics? Has our culture become so secular that religious songs are out of vogue? Jane had an interesting observation on this. She noted that there are wonderful sacred songs being written, even today, but they are found mostly in religious observances such as church festivals. She mentioned Angel Carol, Rudder's Gloria, and Friendly Beasts. These are outstanding and enduring songs, but they do not penetrate the general public. Some are not even in church hymnals. Songs are being produced, but do not enter the consciousness of the general public. Another possibility is that a song has to age like good wine. But clearly this is not true. The first time we heard Harry Belafonte sing Mary's Boy Child, we knew that song was forever. The same was true of Do You Hear What I Hear? That song is so haunting, who could forget it? These are instant classics. The same is true of lighter stuff, such as Frosty the Snowman, the Chipmunk Song, I Saw Mama Kissing Santa Claus. Those may be secular songs, but they were such fun, they immediately became part of the Christmas canon. I think a big factor is niche marketing. Songs that thrill one demographic are totally unknown to others. That's why there were several songs on that list of 100 that I had never heard of. I suspect most of my students had heard of them. Still, when a Puerto Rican songwriter back in 1971 composed Feliz Navidad, all of us who spoke only English were thrilled. We could only sing two lines, but we loved it. Note, someone mentioned that 12 of 25 top Christmas songs were written by Jews. That includes White Christmas, Let It Snow, 
I'll be home for Christmas, chestnuts roasting by an open fire, silver bells, and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. By the way, White Christmas was written by a man, Irving Berlin, from New York, who finds himself in Los Angeles, and he's really missing snow. Listen to all the words. I think those songs made it possible for Jews to participate in the common celebration of Christmas. Which reminds me, I just saw on Facebook a picture posted by a former student of a family photo. Mom, dad, and child were standing in front of a Christmas tree. They're Muslims, and the female is fully covered. I guess Christmas is so nice that almost everyone wants to join the fun. Well, anyway, to those of you listening, Feliz Navidad, Mele Kaleke Maka, Joyous Noel, Happy Christmas, Froevinachten, Buon Natale, Feliz Natal, Heria Christmas, Joyous Noel, and oh yes, Merry Christmas.